Hello and you're welcome to this week's Talk A Good Game, the sports podcast from the Mead Chronicle. I'm Fergal Lynch and this week in studio I'm joined by Dundalk goalkeeper and former Mead footballer Gary Rogers. Okay Gary, you're very welcome to uh, Talk A Good Game, uh, our new podcast, we're still calling it a new one, it's only our third one, so uh, it's still a relatively new experience for myself and Jimmy. It's Jimmy's second one, so it's still a relatively new experience for us to be to be doing it. Lovely weather. Thanks for coming in. Suitably attired. Yeah, no problem. That's <laughs> great weather out there. Enjoying it. Um, just finished training, so um, but it's uh, it's been lovely for the last couple of weeks. Where do you train on on days like today? Do you go indoors or is it? Uh, well, you go indoors on day like today. We're in uh, we're in Dundalk. So we generally we train on the Astro if we're playing on it. So this week we're on the Astro because we've Limerick at home, and then there's a grass pitch in the back, and. Um, when we were playing like last week we were playing away to Shamrock Rovers so we've used the grass pitch there for, for training and would you do much on a day like that with the heat you know it's probably it a little bit le- little bit less today that because of the heat but generally we we do um, we come in the morning we do prehab in the gym so we'll be in an hour before training and if you need to see physios or strappings whatever it is but you do your prehab then out on the pitch we could be an hour and a half in the pitch and then bit of food afterwards and upstairs for a video analysis meeting and that's why I'm here at three o'clock so I was in at <laughs> half ten this morning and this is the light day of the week it's just not work at all Gary this isn't nah, work sorry, at all it's not easy it's not for everybody you know? <laughs> no no no, no. <laughs> there's only a certain few people can can do work in sport and call it a job isn't it really yeah well that's what I say I'm working like and people will be looking at me what <laughs> yeah but it's, it's great like and uh, it's easy enough to get away at home of course you have a young family now and, and you're Busy yeah, man. yeah, two two kids. Um, we dropped Bonnie to school before I left, so um, it wasn't so bad this morning. Uh, Linda was looking after Layla, and I I brought Bonnie to school and then headed off to train. So we we trained. Uh, we were a little bit later today. We sometimes train half nine for half ten start. Um, so um, obviously it's fine. And then and I suppose when you say you're finished at three o'clock, the afternoons are your own. Then, um, for guys that this is a full time job and and that. What happens in in the evenings or the afternoons? It can be a lads that would be full time at it have plenty of spare time on their hands. Then yeah, well there are lads probably have a bit more time, but uh, like, like yeah. you say, with two kids, I don't have that much yeah. time when I get home. But look, look, the lads are in the dock. They'll generally they'll they'll go off for for a coffee together and, and a chat or whatever. And uh, you know, some some we have the gym on on the at the train facility so like lads can do extra gym work but generally we would do a double session Monday, Tuesday so we'd be in the morning train and uh, we'd have half an hour in between sessions and go into the gym and then have food afterwards so generally look it's it's not 9 to 5 but it is uh, look it won't be a short day you'd be finished at 3 or 4 o'clock across it you know yeah. I'd have to obviously drive home and, yeah. and, and either pick up the kids or go home and look after them Get the give, dinner give Linda a dig out because she'd just be doing all the work at the minute did you always want to be a professional footballer, Gary, or did it just happen like that? Um, I, I don't know. I think I always wanted to play football for Mead, to be honest with you. Um, I suppose growing up in Bohemian, like, you know, Gaelic football was my, my first or my number one sport, and, and it would be in the parish. I know that um, it would have been for most lads, and uh, look, I was lucky enough to play underage with Mead and, and played a bit. I, I kind of played more Gaelic than soccer growing up, and I... I I always wanted to play for Mead. Look, I grew up looking at you know the great Mead teams like the under Sean yeah. Boyden, looking at eighty seven, eighty eight, eighty nine, All Ireland and stuff like that, and you know great players that you know of their time, and and we were very much look as as a county team, we were very much to the fore of them times, and 
Okay, all I ever wanted to do w- was to replicate the likes of Bernard Flynn or Brian Stafford, and uh, you know, um, look, luckily enough, I did get the opportunity to play for me that, and I suppose fulfil some of my aspirations. But in the end, I did go the soccer route, and uh, to be honest, with you, I'm pretty grateful that I did. You know, I suppose for the uh, the podcast generation, the names that you mentioned there, like they're a long past history for me aren't they those glory days seem a long way away now do you still follow me obviously and, and take a keen interest in what they're up to yeah I do I do and I suppose look, I'm, I'm going back there to you know that that team with Colm O'Rourke and Liam Hayes and, and Mick Lyons and that and you've got to remember the next kind of group that came along with, with John McDermott uh, Graham Garrity like Colm Coyle who probably you think Colm Coyle would have played in both did yeah, you know, so like, yeah, you know yeah. Colm Coyle probably flies under the radar in terms of you know his his football legacy. Like he played on on like one or like ten years time. apart. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. so like you, you don't do that being being a bad footballer. So mm-hmm. it's um, you know them teams. That's what I grew up um, grew up watching. And obviously, look in in early two thousands, we're still up around the top. And look, we all know it's it's dipped off in recent times. And the dubs have really pushed on and, and brought it to a new level. But I would have fond memories of going to them games with my dad and. And like I think the whole the whole parish would have emptied out to go to Crow Park for, for games against Dublin. I don't think anybody disagrees that uh, there is the quality in Mead, and I'm sure you go, you still go around to club games and that, and you can see that there are quality footballers still in Mead. So the level of professionalism, and you that's working in a professional sport and working and training every day, the level of professionalism that Dublin have brought to the table, that's what has them where they are. And is, would it be fair enough to say that until other counties match that level of professionalism that we're always going to be chasing them yeah i think it's difficult you look at you know what dublin have put in place in terms of the underage um structures that they have there and you know the development of young players and stuff like that like they're they're 10 15 years ahead of most counties and that's not you know been mean i suppose to me like it's you know there's only three or four club counties that have any chance of winning all ireland these days whereas before i remember going up to say 96 Dublin won the All Ireland, won the All Ireland in '95, and Mead were going up to play them in the first round of the championship, and we didn't really know go, mm-hmm. how good or bad Mead were. Our next thing, we beat Dublin in the first round to go on and win All Ireland out of nothing. Yeah. Whereas you just couldn't see that happening now, where a team comes from nowhere, and and goes and wins in All Ireland. Just you know, there's too much put in place, uh, and you know, with the backdoor system, I suppose. Um, it's very difficult to kind of to break into that top three or four teams. Yeah, sure. Even Monaghan, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Monaghan were been touted as the the great white hope after beating Tyrone, and and then they come unstuck against Fermanagh. So just that constant fluctuation in in probably the also rounds. You'll always have your Dublins and your Kerrys, and and probably Mayo might tail off. But we, we there are a, a group of six or seven teams that can come. A certain extent. Yeah, I think look, you look at the north. It's it's a very competitive football championship. I think you know there is a you know to win an Ulster title still means a lot up there. Whereas to win a Leinster title, it's it's Dublin's nearly every year now the way things are going. But yeah. like anyone could really win Ulster, as you say. Like you look at Fermanagh coming, I suppose you know the would it would have been considered one of the weaker counties up there, and and have had the have had a great season. Obviously, yeah. uh, beating Monaghan and. Monaghan after beating Tyrone and I know that we've got Tyrone the weekend so look there's nothing to say that you know we can't um, I know Tyrone would be, be favourites but they are missing a few but there's no reason why Mead can't put in a performance or the, there's no reason why they're not capable of putting a performance together and, and beating Tyrone we, we really are sorry we really are uh, eternal optimists aren't we like we, we, we've seen very little from Mead this year to suggest that we would be good enough to beat Tyrone 
but yet anybody I've spoken to in the last week thinks, geez, you know, we might just catch these or we might surprise them. Where does that optimism come from? Is it just the belief that we... Or maybe the reluctance to let go of the past that we still think, think we have. Co- I think it comes from the eighties and the nineties when yeah. we were good and we were never beaten. But yeah. uh, it, look, it's hard to know. I think you know it's the last game of the season for the lads if if they don't pull it out of the bag. So I think when it comes to these games, like you know the way the championship used to be, it's do or die. Mm. You know you've got one opportunity at it. So you'd be hopeful that lads will will, will play their best game of football this weekend because other than that it's going to be the last and it'll be a long time before the summer comes around again to play another championship game so I think with all that in mind I think you know I'd be hopeful you'll see a good performance the weekend and I think if everyone plays to their potential you know there's no reason why you can't uh, get a win There's one question I'd like to know Gary do you have to be a bit mad to be a goalkeeper? Paddy O'Rourke did say that actually after I interviewed him one time a while ago. He says, uh, it's a good job I'm a little bit mad because it helps to play in the position I'm in. Yeah, well, there's, there's, I suppose there's varying degrees of madness. Um, <laughs> yeah. like the, I've come across some, some really proper mad ones in my time. I don't think I'm too mad, but uh, it's not for everybody. It's it's not an easy position, um, I suppose. It's probably dealing with the pressure of, I suppose, failure or mistakes is, is probably the most difficult part of the game. And, you know, I, I think, um, you know, the way things gone now in social media and everything is highlighted um, so much these days and there's no getting away from it, you know. Yeah. You, you know, so like you have to be, I suppose you have to be mentally tough to be able to deal with the pressure of, of playing in goals and uh, maybe in that regard, um, the fact that I'm still knocking around and playing so long, maybe I'm a bit mad too. It's definitely a, a podcast, I think, for another day for, I'll go into my own madness for Trim Celtic thirds and <laughs> Junior D for Trim. It's a, it shows the madness of playing in goals there as well. Jimmy, you... Well, no, just the, the Shamrock Rovers goalkeeper, he, a couple of hours recently in a televised game, you know, it, it was unfortunate to, to have to suffer that, but I mean... Loris Carius too. Yeah, Loris Carius as well, Liverpool, but I think he, he was concussed, wasn't he? So, But it, it's just it's just the, 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 the trade, it goes with the, with the job. Yeah, it, look, it's difficult. Um, I think, you know, when you look at Carius' situation, like, I don't know, the concussion thing that's coming out now three or four weeks later or three weeks later... Like, you know, if he was asked at the time about concussion with the physio team, would he have wanted to come off? I don't sure think he, he probably would have. Um, so I don't know how much you can put into the, that, that statement. Now, concussion is a serious thing, but at the time, if he was concussed, I don't know if he even received treatment at the time. for. No, he seemed to just hop up and, and yeah. wave his hands from, from so the elbow. Like, yeah. I, I think it might be a bit of a ploy to take a bit of pressure mm. off, off him, but like... You know, you were, I certainly as a goalkeeper would have, you know, I would feel gutted for him because you know, it's the highlight of your career playing, you know, in the Champions League, uh, Champions League final, and and to have a couple of errors like that, it's it's disappointing. It's disappointing for him, and and it's obviously his teammates as well. But uh, look, you know, stuff like that, you know, he has to bounce back from it and come back, come back stronger and and prove the doubters wrong, and and that can kind of fuel him for for the future, you know. And goalkeepers' mistakes are always amplified more than anybody else's mistakes. Even when you think back to the GA, I think Dolan Smith had a had a, a bad day out in '94, um, which prompted Mickey McQuillan to come back into the team, and then he had a bad day out in '95, which uh, you know kind of nearly I won't say it undid his reputation. He won two All Irelands before that. Uh, Mickey did so. Uh, goalkeepers' errors. They're the last line of defence, I suppose. They they count double or treble in some cases. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those you could have a fantastic game and pull off three or four really good saves and, and you'll you know, you'll let in a soft one and all of a sudden 
you know that's all that'll be remembered and that's just that's that's just the way goalkeeping is i think if you fly under the radar and nobody notices you'd be as, as happy you know you went through a spell like that actually i think a couple of seasons ago didn't you you had a couple of games where there was one or two howlers and just before the champions league qualifiers and then you got your place back in then it was yeah it, it was actually you know, it was actually after um it was around i had a bad month it was yeah every it was the first game of the europa league um and i came out and Punched the ball, missed, missed time the ball, punched the man in the head, knocked him <laughs> out. Um, you get a medal but, for but, that. But it's a fraction, a fraction of a second. So like, and I, I actually broke me, broke me hand and dislocated my finger. So, but I played. What happened was there. I really played on for the rest of the season with a with a broken and dislocated finger, and a couple of other little niggles. And at the time, I was in the international squad, and obviously we were in the Europa League group stages, and my contract was up at the end of the season. So like I didn't really say anything to anyone, and I kind of tried to keep playing, and uh, didn't do myself any favors. And yeah. I had a couple of league games where I had poor performances, uh, and then Martin O'Neill actually came to see one of the games, and then I wasn't playing. So that's why it, it kind of unraveled for me in the space of uh, of a month. But then yeah. I had to kind of show a bit of mental toughness, and the injury didn't get any better. But I had to kind of knuckle down, get back into the team, and and thankfully, look, we got back into the team. Um, we won the league and uh, played the rest of the Europa. Missed one of the Europa League games, but played the rest of them. And uh, obviously signed a new uh, a two-year deal with a broken finger and got got myself back right in the off season. And, and look, that's just the way it is. That's uh, that's football. You have to bounce back from your mistakes. Yeah. Well, you had a great, you had a brilliant uh, FAI Cup final against Cork City there, didn't you? Even though, is it, yeah, I mean, you're man of the match really, but um, you still ended up losing it. But that's. Yeah, it looks disappointing. We've we've played the last three cup finals against Cork and and uh, haven't conceded a goal in in ninety minutes in all three of them, and yet we've lost two of them. Yeah, so it's kind of, but um, it's disappointing really to, to lose on penalties. But it, it is a bit of a lottery, and I suppose you look at penalties, you look see what happened to Jimmy Corcoran recently yeah. in the in the seventeen championship. So like it, it wasn't quite as bad as that, but very disappointing to to lose a cup final in that matter manner because we were in a winning position, and usually when we get ourselves into a winning position. We're, we're strong enough to see it out, but look at lapse of concentration causes on the day, and Cork took it to a penalty shootout, and, and we all know what happened there. What was your view on that Jimmy Corcoran penalty? I know a lot of people were disgusted, not just that the referee was so strict in his application of the rules, but it was an under 17 game, a young fella like that, and he really could have. You know, I think Jimmy is a strong enough character. Well, if he's as strong enough a character as his father Noel, he'll certainly be. A, he'd certainly go a long way. But I think Jimmy's a strong enough character to get over those type of issues. But it was a harsh decision, wasn't it? Yeah, look, it was very, very harsh. Um, I actually in the run up to that, I was over there uh, in St George's Park for the Denmark game. So I watched him. I was chatting to him before that, and look, he was great opportunity for him to be playing European Championships and I know he's underage again next year yeah. so it, it, I suppose from a personal point of view for Jimmy that at least he you know, could potentially be back there again at that stage next year but it, the decision itself I thought was very harsh he got he received no warning about it I know that referees always say it like I've had yeah, a couple yeah. of penalty shoots they always say oh don't leave a line but it's never really enforced and I think if you look, looked at the footage you know his foot is on the it's line when he makes the save line, yeah. um, so like um, you know even I'd be just disappointed for him because it's a huge moment in, in a young footballer's career to go and save a penalty in, in you know, a quarter final of a European Championship and you know for that to be taken away from him you know was good and I was disappointed for him you know but in fairness to him he is like he's a really positive lad um, yeah. and I think you know I think he, he'll certainly but like in fairness 
it's not as if he has to bounce back from it because it's not a mistake on his part. He, like he saved the penalty. Do you know what I mean? So um, I think he should great, take great confidence from the way he performed in the tournament overall, and uh, he'd be obviously hopeful of going back there again next year. Yeah. Gary, you you mentioned there about being involved in the international uh, team. There's a great picture of you and Roy Keane sitting side by side during a training session, and you're, you're having a great chat. And I, I was wondering if you were discussing uh, how Mead and, and Cork got on during the, in the 80s. <laughs> but, uh, what exactly were you discussing in that, Gary? Uh, we were actually discussing how, how Cork and Dundalk were um, <laughs> were getting on in the league. He, Roy was like to have a little bit of a rub at me about Cork City. And uh, at the time, there was a massive fixture congestion with all because we had qualified for Europa League games and we were going to have to play a game every three days. And he was just saying about the challenge, look, you just have to embrace that, that challenge and, and take what's thrown at you. And, look, and we did. Um, we went and went and won the league off the back. But now I know that we missed out on the double that year. We flew back from uh, St. Petersburg on the Friday night, and then we had to play the cup final on the Sunday. Yeah, and like I think if you look at the game, we played really well in the game, even though we had played a league game on the Monday. Flew out to play Europa League game for the Thursday, and then flew back to play uh, the the cup final. So I think uh, we were probably we were, we were seconds away from from a penalty shooter that year with Shawnee. Got a goal in the in the in the dying dying seconds of the game, and um, look, it it would have cost us a double, and we know the Cork have gone on and won one then the following year. So look, there's, there's that's what we were talking about at the time. But um, yeah, look, there's there's plenty more, I suppose, stories with the Cork and Dundalk um, factor at the minute. You know, those um, European nights must be special as well, or European games must be very special to to think that you've played in Champions League qualifiers and and in the Europa League as well. Great times, aren't they? Yeah, they're fantastic. I think, you know, when Europe comes around, there's a great buzz and I think it, it does wonders for the league and for the wider, I suppose, wider public, really, you know, the extra media coverage that it gets and people really pay attention to how teams are getting on in Europe because it's really it's how you're judged. I think, you know, people see us, the League of Ireland, and, you know, they don't really put much weight into the quality is there. But then when you go and see a League of Ireland team, you know, competing at that level and going and beating like top sides like Bathy Borisov are really, yeah. really top side and we went and beat them comfortably three 0 in Tallinn and then obviously we went away to Legia Warsaw, one nil up, um kick of a ball in it, um, to go through to the to the Champions League where we would have yeah. been playing Real Madrid. And like we drew one all with Legia over there. Think of the elbow you would have got off Ramos though. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you probably would have got one back. Yeah. But, but it, it's just it's the fine lines, you know. We, like we in that game in memory against Legia, it was probably best atmosphere I've ever played in front of my life. Like the the support never stopped. Yeah, from, it was mental, wasn't it? From yeah. the warm up the whole way through the game, and um, you know we were just unfortunate. I think the the first leg really really hurt us where they gave a penalty that was never a penalty, no. and. Uh, that that kind of cost is probably in the end, but like the, them European games and European journeys are fantastic nights in your career, and I'm just lucky to have played in so many of them. What kind of what comes into your head, you know, during those matches? Are you focusing all the time? Is it, are you trying to stay focused, or do you, uh, you think what what you have to do next week or something like that? Does that happen, or well, we won't be worried about next week anyway? <laughs> so we just you, you kind of have, like one, one thing I'd say about European games is you know. Like the slightest, the slightest error will be punished, and uh, so you have to be really, really on the ball, um, even more so than league game. Like you don't go out any less focused, but just you know the 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 margin for error in a European game, you know, are, are so little that you know any little slip is is punished, and and that could come from a tr- your own throw in in the opposition's half, 
or somebody doesn't track a runner and next thing you know balls in the back of the net and, and it's 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 the fine margins that define how you get on in Europe and I think Stephen has really excelled in preparation for European games and, and obviously instilling the belief in the players to go and achieve great things like you know and and that's probably why you know we've been so successful because the manager has you know belief in the players and he demands that they go out and play a certain way you know and you know true to what we do play in the league and, and you know I think that's why we probably do so well in in European games because teams are not going um, to set up defensively against you whereas a lot of league teams will come to Oriel and you know they'll set up and and you know they'll go there not to get beat whereas yeah. the European team will go there to try and win the tie so like that's where you know we really you know because we're a good football inside that we can uh, can really play well in them games those European games really I know you played a lot of games in the league as well and, and your performance in the league didn't do you any harm either. But those European games really put you into the mind of Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane for the international setup. Were you disappointed not to get minutes then when it came to especially the Oman game where you thought, geez, you'll definitely get a run here or, or I know you were on the bench for a couple of other games then as well. Yeah, uh, like I, sp- I remember speaking to uh, Martin, I think it was before the Dutch game, just saying that you know Stephen Kenny had said that he wouldn't mind me playing. He was worried that I'd get injured for a league game, just to make sure that he was aware that I wanted to play. 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 Yeah, yeah. The Oman game was kind of a funny one because uh, we were playing Serbia in the World Cup qualifier in four days' time, and I knew when when Kieran Westwood started, and um, that he was going to have to play Darren because Darren was his first choice. He was going to have yeah. to get a game into him before the the Serbia game. So I kind of, you know, in that game. I was obviously hopeful, hopeful of getting a cap, and, and a few of the lads have said to me, "Oh, you know, you probably get capped, you probably get a run." But um, the manager hadn't said it to me there, and the team doesn't be picked until, until you know, in, in the dressing room. And uh, but when I seen Westwood was starting, I said, oh, "Well, it's probably unlikely I'll get a cap because um, I felt that he would always have to play, give Darren uh, forty-five minutes in the game, be- just with you know, you have to remember it was a World Cup qualifier week, and we were going to Serbia then a few days to time, and and that's you know handing out a cap is not the priority yeah, the yeah. priority is getting a result in Serbia and you know making sure the team is ready for that game was certainly uh, you know what what mattered really not giving me a, a cap really I'm sure 15 years ago you, you would never have even dreamed of playing senior for the Republic of Ireland getting an international cap but you must have been a little bit disappointed then um, to come away from that series a good few games in and around the squad not to come away with a cap were you disappointed not to have uh, one out? To be honest with you, not really. I wouldn't be overly... So obviously, look, a cap would mean the world to me, but it was great to be brought in and it was great to be brought back as well because it showed that, you know, I'd gone in and done well and, yeah. you know, they, they valued me and brought me back in again a couple of times. So, look, in a way, look, I was never going to be going in as first-choice keeper. So, like, you know, the, the, the thing is, you know, you've got you've got you had Elliot Westwood uh, and Darren Randolph, yeah. and well, Elliot had been injured, so like you know, it was just great to be to be in the kind of reckoning and in their thoughts, and uh, like you know, Darren is playing fantastic at the minute. Middles where I know that uh, Westwood is injured in the minute, but like top quality keepers, and to be to be brought in and and in the mix with them was great. You also played against Manchester United once, Gary. Although I don't know if I should remind you of that, but sure. It's still, I, I it's, it. <laughs> it was still quite an occasion, you know, to play against Wayne Rooney and all these guys. Yeah, um, I suppose at the time it was, 
every player in the league wanted to play in that game because it was the opening of the Aviva Stadium. So I think everyone was really, it gave players a, a focus for that year. Everyone wanted to be in good form and to be shown because Damien Richardson was the manager and Damien to turn up at the game, lads would be want, want to be playing really well and, and to get into the team. So look, it was great to get into the League of Ireland selection. selection, number one, and then obviously to play in the opening stadium in front of 50,000 was, was, was brilliant. To be honest with you, I'd prefer to do it now because I think I'd be far better adapted dealing with it and I think I actually feel I'm probably a better keeper now than I was I think that was maybe seven or eight years ago I just feel that um, I'm probably more comfortable and, and better able to uh, perform at that level you know I think Wayne Rooney got a few definitely he? he got none he's the only man who didn't score <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well when you see uh, the Egypt including a 44 45 year old goalkeeper in their squad for the world I don't know if that's going to happen we won't, we won't, we won't, we won't rule it out years, won't you know Liverpool are on the lookout for a keeper so I wouldn't rule it out, yeah. rule it out just yet. but uh, we didn't have to wait too long anyway for a first mead man to get well eventually get a, an international cap Um would you know Daryl Enahan at all? Do you do I, you know? No, I don't. I don't know him. Obviously, no. He's a he's at Blackburn and that, and he's kind of been. It's been expected that you know he would be in the reckoning, and he's been named in a couple of professional squads. And I was actually up at the game and seen him uh, at the game the other night. So it was great. It was great to see that uh, monkey being. I won't say taking off my back, but taking off everyone's back in mid. But uh, look, I think hopefully the floodgates are open. We'll all get picked for the next yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned earlier on about. Uh, your big love, maybe your first love, was being Mead GA and uh, your involvement in that. You you were called into the Meads panel at a relatively young age, um, under Sean Boylan. Wh- when was that, and what what led to that? Yeah, I think Alton's. We had won the junior championship. I think it was in '99, and Sean had brought me in to the panel around that time. I think it was '99 I think it was 2000, something like that. Yeah. And Sean had brought me in around the same time as Stephen Bray because I remember we played in the opening of the pitch in Simonson. It was the first game. Oh, yeah, I think, yeah. I'm not sure. Could have been Calvin on the lights or whatever it was. It was yeah. And uh, like I was obviously I played. I played. People associate me with being a goalkeeper in Gaelic, but I played all my Gaelic football as a centre field, centre forward. So Sean had brought me in as a as a half forward possibly and. Uh, he ended up playing me in goals that night because he came over to me and said, no, I, I'll have to, because a couple of lads were away. He said, I hope you don't mind, but will, will you play in goals? And I suppose when Sean Boylan comes over to me yeah, and asks yeah. you to play, yeah. I think he'll play anywhere. Um, but I played in goals that time. But um, yeah, look, I was in there as a forward and I played all my Gaelic football. And probably why, you know, Gaelic, I played outfield and I, at least I... I enjoyed playing outfield and kicking freeze and all the rest and, and I played all my soccer and goals never really ventured too far out of the, no, out of the box but uh, I kind of got the best of both kind yeah. of growing up that I could you know enjoy me Gaelic football playing outfield and, and obviously knock me love a goalkeeper and playing in goals And would it have helped your would your outfield um, exploits in the GA have helped your goalkeeping do you feel in soccer your awareness of flight of the ball that sort of thing I, I think the flight of the ball is different but I think um, I would always like I I was always loved high fielding and I think it's certainly an advantage um, I think I'd be quite strong on crosses and corners and stuff like that and I like to dominate my box and I think you know that GEA background would certainly help me in, in them areas you know of, of the game the game has completely changed yeah. as well. the, the, the ball the speed the way the ball is whipped in in soccer and it, it is different than just a, a straight ball out there and coming on to get it but it's certainly it's certainly something that I feel has been an advantage throughout my career yeah you played under some great managers, as you said there, um, Stephen Kenny and, and Sean Boylan. What, what do you think made them great or very successful managers, Gary? 
Um, I suppose it's hard to know exactly. I know that it's Stephen. Um, he really instills great belief in the players, and, and you know he he sets the bar very high and demands an awful lot of players. You know, not only on the pitch but in life and how you how you uh, live your life and how you prepare for your for football and for your game because it's all about you know results and it's all about you know achieving great things as he would say, and. Uh, Look, I think you know the belief and confidence that he gives players is great, and I know like I I wouldn't have had that much dealings with Sean. I wouldn't have had him for maybe six months or that, but I would always be chatting to him when I'd meet him and that. And but I know that Sean is the same sort of. He's an infectious character, and um, you know he gets he certainly you know he got the best out of generations of meat footballers, and mm-hmm. you know I think um, you know Sean's love of the game and probably attention to detail a bit like Stephen. It's stuff like that. It's the fine margins that you know. These lads to be focusing on on the little things in order to make make teams better, and I think you know, I know they're different sports, but you know, equally great managers, I suppose. You know, greater scheme of things. The GA really, uh, they gave you the boost up to the soccer ladder. I, I know at seventeen years of age, you were uh, you got a bit of a harsh suspension, a three month suspension. Anybody that knows you now or uh, would be aware of your type of temperament and personality would say. How do you pick up a three month suspension? What happened there, Gary? If, um, you, uh, if you remember, oh, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. And well. name names, Gary. Feel free. There's yeah, no I double c- jeopardy I can't here. Remember names. There's no I, double jeopardy here. You can't be tried again for yeah, the same crime. I know. Yeah, but they could suspend me all the night. Yeah, yeah. You can't. Uh, but, uh, no, you never know. <laughs> it was. Um, it was a, a game against a Dublin team in the junior Leinster Junior Championship. We were played it in Martry actually, and. Uh, I just remember everyone like the referee had a really really poor game. Not and, like the referees. Yeah, not like the referees. <laughs> uh, generally, you know, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't have too much uh, arguments with the referee, but he was having a poor game, and everyone was having a pop off him really during the game. So basically, it was my turn to have a cut at him, and uh, and I I said me piece, and he wasn't happy, and and he sent me he said something. He gave me I think I can't remember what he gave me yellow, and then the ball came to me, and I caught it in the volley and kicked it out of the pitch because it was just tick with the ref, yeah. and then. Look, I got I got sent off for giving my opinion to the referee basically, <laughs> and uh, that was that. Like it was three at the time I was in on the senior panel. It was I can't remember exactly the time of year it was, but it probably around March. It was before championship, and I was at the time I was training with Shelburne. I went on loan to St Francis, so I was playing in the League of Ireland, I think. And really, I didn't um, because you were suspended for three months. Like there was no point in training like with with, with me because. Yeah. You know, in three months' time, you could be you could be out of the championship. So, um, I kind of focused on me on me soccer with Shelburne. I was I was still although I was on loan to St Francis, I was still training with Shelburne because I felt that, uh, like Shelburne at the time were the were the I suppose Dundalk if you like or yeah, Cork totally. they were top side, and I felt the training there with Steve Williams and Fred Davis, the goalkeeping coach, because I never really got goalkeeping coach. I felt that that would benefit me more. So I used to train with Shelburne and go and play the games with St Francis and. Uh, Look, it was great to get thrown in at the deep end, and I think by the end of the year, I'd probably played 20, 25 games for St Francis yeah. in, in in the first division. And then you went to Dundalk, won the first division with Dundalk. Oh, Drogheda. Drogheda, sorry, yeah. Drogheda in 2001, won the first division, stayed at them till 2005. 2005. You uh, In that spell then, you went back and you played with the Mead Juniors, won an All-Ireland Junior in 2003. That was another... Uh, yeah, it was another episode. Another episode. The county board didn't want you to play. I, I don't know. It's hard to know exactly what happened there because, like, I had played with the Me Juniors the previous for for two or three years, and then um, the county board in the end didn't want me to play. But I remember um, being up in Newbridge watching the first game, 
um because I went up to look at it and I um watched the game and I met Clint again and he basically was giving, saying to me, oh, how come you're not out there playing? And I was saying, Oh, I wasn't allowed to play like at the time I wasn't, you know. And 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 that was that's, you know, and later down the line, you know, it transpires that they didn't want me to play. But I, I don't think it was all Fenton. I think it may have come from probably my own club in, in a way. And, and that's probably the most disappointing aspect of the whole kind of saga that went on in 2003. Yeah, your own club were divided, weren't they, about whether you should represent Mead when you weren't playing for your club? Yeah. Was, that, was that their issue? Yeah, well, the way it works is that if you play for your club, it goes on the previous year. Yeah, you know, and I had played for St. Dalton's the previous year, even though I wasn't allowed. I remember I came back and played a game against, oh, I think it was Minalvi, mm. and I came out. I played, I played midfield, and I think we, um, we, I think we won by a point. I remember I went back into goals and saved the penalty on John Donahue mm-hmm. in the last minute, yeah. and we and we won by a point or two. John's still playing. And John's sure still playing. Listening. Yeah, <laughs> I played minor with John actually, yeah. I think, and junior. So and. Then, he actually left the mid panel, the junior panel, in two thousand three, and that's why the, you know, the slot on the panel opened up. Right, and Martin, so. I played a game, a, a challenge game that I shouldn't have been playing as well, up in screen and had kicked three or four points or something like that. And Martin asked me, "Where well, any chance of you, you know, speaking to Drottel about?" And at the time, I had a good relationship with Harry McHugh, and Harry said, uh, "I said to Harry, look, is there any chance I can play with Mead? You know, I have from, I, you know, I'd really like to go back and play a bit and." And he kind of he allowed me to play a few games. He said only championship games. He says if you get injured, yeah, you know, he'd be like, in fairness, like, like it wouldn't happen now. They wouldn't. No. They certainly wouldn't be knocking on Stephen Kelly's door. Uh, yeah, asking play a couple of games again. <laughs> but uh, he allowed me to play a couple of games, and only because the next game was in Crow Park, and he probably said, "Oh, go on, yeah, some, an opportunity. you know, a great opportunity for a young player to go and play in Crow Park." And I played in that game, and then it all kind of developed from there. The issues came from there Jeez, it went down. It was, there was every sort of issue then there was arguments over jerseys yeah arguments over the physio it was your was it your dad was the physio yeah was he? he did yeah, the physio yeah, yeah. yeah. So there was arguments over everything Martin didn't want Martin Barry then they didn't want Eamon Barry and yeah, County Board just didn't was, cover themselves in glory it on that was occasion far, sure it was far, and you know what the, tr- the, the, the truth is far less interesting than all the stuff that went down <laughs> around it to be yeah, honest with you yeah yeah um, of course, you you continued on. Then you ended up with Dublin City. Yeah, that must have been a bit of a whirlwind experience too, because not, I'm not sure if everybody remembers who Dublin City were. They were a, a briefly uh, affiliated club, weren't they? They went belly up then. Yeah, they went belly. Like they were, a, I suppose, home farm Fingal, or uh, there was, and then they changed the name to Dublin yeah. City because they were looking at getting more fresh supporters in. But yeah, I was there for I, I obviously I left Rotterdam right because uh, I didn't play the last the last year I was there. So for me, it's always been about playing. Yeah. And I wanted to go and play, and, and uh, I went to Dublin City, joined them. We played fifteen or sixteen league games that year, and um, all of a sudden we were they, we were called to a meeting, and the club was going out of existence, and there'd be no game on Friday night against Bohemians. So I, I found <laughs> myself playing with St. Ultons on the Friday night Instead. up in Dunshockland. <laughs> so uh, like there was nobody to tell me I couldn't play that time, but that was, I suppose... But that led you back then to yeah. Kyler then, Colin Coyle then got you back involved with the senior team, and, and you played a few games at centre-field, yeah. centre-forward, just what you like I think it, I, I, with Dublin City going bust, I went back and played with my club, and... Um, it was just I look I was enjoying it and there was no one to 
even when I, I signed for Bray and the manager at Bray, I told him, I said, listen, I'm signing, but I'm playing championship with my club for the rest of the season. Yeah. And if you don't want to sign me, that's fine. He said, oh, no, no problem. Just championship games, that's fine. <laughs> what happened was then the manager got sacked and the system manager who took over didn't know anything about that agreement so he ended up dropping me down for a few games because he had got a phone call to say that here you were playing football the weekend with, yeah, yeah. with, with your club you know and he knew nothing of it so um, but communications like, yeah, yeah I went back and uh, look, Kyla <laughs> brought me in and uh, obviously played a couple of league games and it was look I was my intention was to, to give it a go mm. and I, I think I was at 20 I was 25 at the time and yeah. I just wanted to I wanted to see if I was good enough to play for me. Like I, you know, I was I'd been in before and I was only young, but I because I'd gone away for five, six years. I wa- I wanted to see if I was if I was going to make the grade or not because I always remember Sean would have said, you know, y- you measure yourself how you do against Dublin, and I wanted to do that. Yeah, to yeah. do that, you know. Didn't want to be sitting here today with regrets, wondering, geez, what wonder could I? Yeah, look, but, you, I, but you clearly could. Well, look, I, I didn't prove that I was I was a great. I, look, I was in around the mix, and like, I was on the panel. And I played a couple of games. I think I, I had to play had to play one game in goals because Kyler Kyler came to me. We played the Cavan game, and he came to me afterwards, and he said, uh, "Will you play in goals next weekend?" Because Brendan Murphy, I think, was on his honeymoon, and Galley was away as well. There was something on, and the two boys were away, and he said, "Look, it saved me." That against Antrim, or yeah, it was against yeah, Antrim yeah. up there, and okay. he said it'll save me calling in the keeper and then dropping him off the panel the following week. And I said, right, okay. Sure, I, I was there. I could have. I yeah. was there anyway. You yeah, know, that, I think that's probably why. Yeah. That's probably why. But he said, <laughs> and I go, look, I'll play in goals, but I start next week against against Ligo. And he goes, yeah, no problem. You're going to start anyway. Yeah. You know, I was going to. So look. Sligo never came for me, but anyway. Yeah, but Galway did. Yeah, and I, look, so, I suppose that's how football changes. In the space of a week, like I was due to play against Sligo um, for Kyler, and I had told Kyler the whole way along that I wasn't going to sign for a part-time yeah. club. I the only way I was going back to soccer was if it was a full-time club. Yeah, and I look, I had been speaking to Bowes and speak to UCD at the time, but Tony Cousins rang me, who was my assistant manager at Drogheda, and he. He put a two-year deal on the table for me to go to Galway, yeah. and obviously Galway. Nick Leeson was Nick Leeson was running the club. Whether that's a good or a bad yeah, thing down there, but Nick was, was running the, the club. Was good at the time, and, <laughs> and Galway were the, you know, the you know the poster boys. I suppose the way they were running things off the pitch, and that's why they were brought up in the Premier Division. But Nick, uh, Tony had rang me to go there, and uh, instead of going down to play against Sligo, I was on a plane to Spain for a training camp for a week. And look, it was a lifestyle thing, you know. Yeah. You, like I and. You know, if I had if stayed and, and played Gaelic, I don't know, you know, what would have happened. Yeah, like, yeah. but um, I certainly don't think I'd have won five All Irelands or four leagues or whatever. No, you know, no. And then of course Pats and Sligo Rovers. You had a good spell at Sligo Rovers then as well. Won, hadn't won for a while. And yeah, I look Sligo was great. I think um, you know, obviously I went to Pats in three years there, with good European games and 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 look, great times. I didn't really want to leave Pats at the time because uh, I was really enjoying it. But I just felt at the time when Sligo, when Paul Cook rang me, I thought that Sligo were good enough to win the league the previous year. And Pete Matten was, was was sacked from St. Pat's and Liam Buckley was coming in. And it's just, you know, I knew Liam would do a good job. But I just felt that, you know, this is an opportunity to go and win a league. And I hadn't won, you know, a Premier Division title. And uh, just the opportunity to go to Sligo, even though it was a bit of upheaval yeah. and... 
there would have been nothing in it in terms of Sligo and Pats. But I just said this this group, like I spoke to a couple of players there, and they were saying, look, they're gonna they're pushing to win the league next year, and they wanted to add a couple of players to what they had the previous season, and I felt they were good enough to go in the league, and that that was going to be my best opportunity to do that, and and thankfully it worked out. And then of course on to Dundalk, do you, and the success that you've had there has been remarkable. And uh, in Dundalk, do you see Dundalk being your final club, or can you see? I suppose that depends on Dundalk, does yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, it like you've no intention of, of throwing your hat at it yet and saying I've enough for you. You're happy no, to no. Look, I to be honest, like I'm, I'm very happy with the way things are going and and my form has been good and 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 Dundalk has it's been great this year and we'd be hoping to, you know, finish the season strongly and have a good run in Europe and you just never know. Like I'd be hopeful of, of signing a new contract there. I haven't spoke to Stephen yet, but I know that he, look he started speaking to players during the week and Jamie McGrath has signed and Sean Hora signed new extensions. So yeah. I know that the the club are progressive and they're looking to tie down players rather than you know letting it go to the end of the season and, and players being cherry picked because let's be honest a lot of our players are plenty good enough to go away and play and yeah. uh, at, at, at higher levels I suppose you, know? and you have young Ross Tracy there as well of course who was a former Park Villa and was, was over with Preston was he Jimmy or yeah Swansea, Swansea, Swansea. Yeah, we've, we've, there's, a, there's a good few mead lads actually knocking around yeah. over in Dundalk because you've you have George Point as well. I yeah. know George is a good Gaelic footballer too, and uh, Jack O'Keefe is from Kells, and he's been you know, he's been tearing up in the under nineteens. And yeah. Dylan Connolly is here, Johnston. Yeah. He's a bit of a Dublin. Jamie, he's so. a bit of a Dublin accent, yeah, yeah, but he's, yeah, he's yeah. from he's from he's <laughs> he says he's from Navan. And Jamie McGrath, like Jamie McGrath, is a is a terrific player. And I think you know if anyone wants to go and see a really good player yeah. playing, like Jamie's he's from a boy, yeah, he's from a boy, and and he could go he could go a long way. Did you ever regret uh, not going over to England to maybe Scotland or something like that, Gary? Did you have a chance to go over there, I think, didn't you? Um, I, I had a few opportunities, but it just didn't really, you know, I'm kind of grateful for the breaks I got. Like, I got a couple of breaks to get into the League of Ireland and to get playing, and I probably just didn't get the breaks to get, get away to England. And look, it's not that I don't think I was good enough, or, you know, like, I don't think there's, there's massive margins in, in, you know, in the standards of goalkeeping between here and England. And uh, look, I just didn't, I didn't get that bit of luck that was required to get away. But like, I'm not bitter about it. I, I've had a good career, and I've, I've been able to, I suppose, earn a living doing something that I love. And uh, I'm, I'm really, yeah. And, and look, European games, you probably, possibly, would never have got. And uh, look, it, it's uh, look, football has been good to me, and I've, and I've enjoyed it, and hope to continue doing it. You know, sure. If the option ever came up, I know it's a completely hypothetical situation, but you see players going to the US at. at you know, late enough in their career and making, you know, making that step the other side of the water, the other, or jumping the other water. Would that be an option that you'd consider or would the family now take precedent on a, on a yeah. decision like that? I don't, yeah, I don't think for me it would be because, like, look, we've two small kids and my wife, she's a lecturer in Queen's yeah. University in Belfast and, and, like, she's made sacrifices for me. So I think, you know, to let her, her career flourish as well. So... I don't think going to the USA be, be an option, you know. Yeah, yeah. Gary, we've uh, I promised you coming up here that we keep this to 25, 30 minutes. So we're now 42 minutes 42 into it. 42 minutes. So uh, I, I said, you know, to any of the guests we've had on, we could easily talk for an hour, an hour and a half, two hours. But it's been a pleasure having you in and uh, best of luck for the rest of the season with Dundalk. Thanks very much, Gary. Best of luck. Thanks very much, lads. Cheers. So that was the Mead Chronicles Sports Podcast, Talk A Good Game. Thanks for taking time to have a listen and please send us your views by email to sports at meadchronicle.ie or on Twitter to at meadsports using the hashtag, hashtag tag. That's hashtag T-A-G-G. I'm Fergal Lynch and we've been trying to talk a good game.
Talk to you next week. Whoa, ho, whoa, eat my girl, eat my girl. Say, eat my girl.